Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather round the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. What is this, week nine of house arrest? Does anyone actually mark the time by drawing on the wall? We have three lines and then a stroke through the uh, three lines equals four days, like some prison movie. I don't know. I feel like I should start taking up the harmonica or uh, maybe start lifting weights. I don't know. I tell you, I think I'm going to make a break for it tonight, fellas. I'm going to go down the laundry chute. Who's with me? (laughs) Now, back in April, Artur Pavlovsky was feeding homeless people in downtown Calgary when over a half dozen police officers surrounded him and fined him $1,200 homeless people. Also in April, you probably saw this video. There was a mother in Idaho. She was handcuffed for playing with her kids in a park swing. And there was also a young mother up in North Bay, I believe it was April as well, who was uh, arrested for pushing her swings in a deserted park. There was another woman in Lethbridge who decided to dress up as a Star Wars character to promote one of her businesses. And she was kind of roughed up by the, uh, the constabulary. The man in Philadelphia. Remember this video from earlier on? He was dragged off a city bus by the police because he wasn't wearing a mask. I never understood that. Why couldn't the police just hand him a mask and say, here, buddy, put this on? Problem solved. In the case of the uh, the Calgary pastor, uh, Artur Pavlovsky, actually, I think he was fined twice. His uh, cause has been taken up by Rebel News. They are uh, raising money to pay for his court costs, his legal costs. David Menzies is here with us this hour to discuss that and uh, other items. He is the Rebel News Mission Specialist, formerly a contributor with Sun News and host of Menzoid Mornings. David is equal parts outrageous and irreverent as he dares to ask the type of questions those in the media party would rather not ponder. David Menzies, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Oh, I am absolutely fantastic. It's been far too long, uh, Richard. In fact, you know what? I don't mean to make light of the Wuhan virus, but I have never been healthier in all my life. I didn't even get my du rigueur March cold. I tend to get a cold, or I used to, every November and March, and that's disappeared. And I don't know, it's kind of like... Did something happen in my sleep, Richard? Did a radioactive spider bite me or something? (laughs) It's your immunity. As a kid, you were out there licking doorknobs and escalator handles, (laughs) and you've built up your immunity. You're a superhuman. (laughs) I hope so. I mean, you know, if only the real world was like the comic book world, eh, Uh, Richard? I mean, you know, you always hear of these, like, class action suits of, you know, people exposed to, uh, you know, chemicals that were, you know, part of pesticides or herbicides. And, um, you know, in the comic book world, that means you're able to leak tall buildings in a single bound, and you're faster than a locomotive. In the real world, you get cancer and die. So it's really That's sad, right. isn't it, Richard? I just wish there was more of the comic book world in the real world, especially in these days. Indeed. Now, you've always struck me as a bit of an irascible character. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you, have you been observing all the protocols, social distancing, wearing a mask, following the arrows at the grocery store? I used to, Richard. 
you know, this is a story that has changed on a weekly, even a daily basis. And I remember sort of the, um, I guess, one of the crucial moments was the evening before St. Patrick's Day. Remember that? That's when mm-hmm. here in Toronto, and it was a devastating blow for the food service industry, which continues to get hammered. There was going to be no St. Patrick's Day celebrations. That's when all these restrictions kicked in. So I guess that's what, March 17th. And, you know, with all the worldwide fervor, I mean, I wasn't shrugging it off. I was taking it seriously. And I think partly because I have read books about pandemics or epidemics, uh, incredible books like um, The Demon in the Freezer about smallpox and anthrax. Right. And The Hot Zone about Ebola. And this is nothing to be trifled with. But what we have discovered, Richard, I think, is that this Wuhan virus, this is no Ebola. And when you were beginning the show, you were thinking, you know, what shall we do, uh, slide down the laundry chute and, uh, you know, try to escape. I would just say this, go outside. You, Richard, are a fairly young, healthy person, and the chances of you getting sick and dying of uh, Wuhan virus, I mean, you know, I, I would bet on the Toronto Maple Leafs winning the next five Stanley Cups in a row, for goodness <laughs> sakes, uh, more than that. I, and I'm not, you know, being flippant. The stats do show this. This is something we have discovered that affects primarily the elderly, those with respiratory diseases. Nursing homes have been death traps for this virus. And I think, in hindsight, if we had to do it all over again, instead of crippling the economy, we would have directed our resources and our attention to the very vulnerable groups. And when you look at, you know, other countries in the world, Taiwan, for example, you still have kids in school in Taiwan, and they have, I think, the best death rate in terms of low numbers per million than any other nation. Sweden, too. You can still go to a cafe or a restaurant in Sweden. There's social distancing rules. But what the Swedes did, say this was a car, this nation was a car going 100 kilometers an hour. We hit the brakes and brought it down to 5 to 10 kilometers an hour. So almost everything shut down except for some select stores. In Sweden, they probably hit the brakes and went down to about 85 to 90. And the cases of the Wuhan virus have not shot off the charts exponentially. And hindsight is twenty twenty, but I think these nations had it correct, Richard. And I think it's been a terrible overreaction in which I fear the cure is worse than the curse. That when you look at the mental health of people being cooked up all these weeks, the rates of depression, the suicides, the domestic abuse, people losing their livelihood. You know, Richard, I don't know when this is going to end. But I fear to walk down Main Street, because I think Main Street pre-Wuhan virus and Main Street post-Wuhan virus ain't going to look like the Main Street you remember from back in January. I agree. It's going to be like surveying the devastation after a hurricane. Yes. When we all finally come out and we look at the damage. And again, I agree. I wrote a little piece. I really didn't know what I intended to do with it. Well, I sent it to some MPPs in the faint hope that it might reach the premier's eyes. But this was back in 
late March, in fact, or early April, I said at that time, you need to form an economic task force to get an exit strategy going and figure out how we are going to start opening things up as quickly as possible. Because as I said at that time, or as I wrote, if the so-called essential services, and I, I don't draw a distinction, all work is essential. So if the grocery stores could keep working and the truckers are still delivering and the mail is getting delivered and the pharmacies are open, why can't we figure out what are they doing to mitigate risk and then just have all businesses come up with a plan to mitigate risk? Yes, people who can work from home should work from home. But for the rest of us, the young, the able-bodied, as you say, who are very unlikely to be debilitated by this, they got to get out. It's like ripping a Band-Aid off. That's the way to do it. Because if you're going to have herd immunity, you're not going to get it by cowering in your home. And certainly that is the Swedish approach that even when the critics say, well, the Swedish rates are higher than Norway and Finland, but the Swedish response would be, yes, but we are embracing herd immunity for if this so-called second wave comes, we're playing the long game. We're going to be better climatized to withstand it than these other countries. But Richard, everything you said I agree with, except for your first point about having an economic task force. You made the point that the retailers that are open, you know, the LCBOs, the Costcos, the Walmarts of the world, they have been functioning for several weeks now with the plastic shields, the arrows on the floor, the sanitizer at the store, the social distancing etiquette, limiting the number of customers into their stores. Here is your economic strategy. Just say, hey, everybody, this is what you have to do. Open your doors. And the entrepreneurs, the great businessmen and great businesswomen of this city and this nation will do so. And this is another thing I've despised about this uh, global pandemic, Richard, is that, you know, as the old saying goes, never let... Uh, good crisis go to waste in terms of, you know, fulfilling your political agenda or ideology. And we keep seeing that. The I think the most odious one was the uh, the gun grab in which, through an order in council, the Trudeau Liberals right. have eliminated 1,500 guns from being legal to illegal by 2022. And, of course, they were using two crises, the global pandemic and, of course, the massacre that occurred in Nova Scotia last month. And never let a crisis go to waste when you want to advance the war on the car. And we have seen Toronto overnight lose 57 kilometers of road, including, Richard, this is staggering. It's not just the little laneways and, you know, small side streets of Kensington Market, but a lane of Lakeshore Boulevard. Now, I did a little Google Maps searching. Do you know, Richard, there are parts of Lakeshore Boulevard where the distance from the boulevard to the lake is more than 400 meters. Are you telling me that cyclists and pedestrians can't socially distance in a 400-meter footprint, that they need that extra three or four meters of laneway of Lakeshore Boulevard to accomplish that? This is insidious, but but it just shows you uh, what is happening. And also... I very much resent that of all levels of government, this business of one law for thee and one law for me, right? I mean, Right. I I agree. If I hear one more time we're in this together, I'm going to hit somebody (laughs) with a a sock full of horse manure. Yes. And and Richard, I mean, like when you have uh, John Tory bragging on Twitter 
about how many bylaw officers and law enforcement have issued those $880 tickets. I call these guys the pandemic police or the coronavirus cops. On people for what? Walking through a park? Sitting on a park bench? Uh, inline skating in an empty parking lot? And meanwhile, this same John Tory, I think it was, what, three weeks to, uh, as of this night, posed with 10 healthcare workers on University Avenue, cheek to jowl. I mean, by my math, that's well over $11,000 of fines. Uh, I, know, I know police were at that little shindig for the photo op, but nothing to see here, folks. Your Prime Minister Trudeau telling us to not go to the cottage, and of course he goes to the cottage with his uh, family, and the same for Doug Ford, I'm afraid to say. Back on Easter weekend, you know, now you know, we know it's a traditional time for some families to go to the cottage, don't go to the cottage, and on Easter Sunday he's at the cottage. So please, it's getting a little stale, and it's getting a little rich about, you know, our elected officials telling us to give up our rights and freedoms, and then they go and violate their own edicts. David Menzies, Rebel News, is with us. I want to talk about some more overreach. Out in Calgary, back in April, tell me about this Arthur Pavlovsky case. He's a pastor. He was feeding the homeless. And uh, just sort of set the stage for us, David. Sure. I should interject, Richard, that we have started a website called fightthefines.com. And basically it's this. If you've been fined by the coronavirus cops or the pandemic police and you think it was unjust, tell us your story. And if we think you've got a good story, we're going to go to bat for you. And I think we're up to almost 20 cases. Not all of them have been published. But the ones you speak of, and by the way, when I say go to bat for you, we will crowdfund the legal fees. People are going to be represented by legal eagle extraordinaire Sam Goldstein. He's a bencher at the Law Society of Upper Canada. He is a, a brilliant lawyer. And they won't have to pay a cent. And the case you mentioned with the street preacher in Calgary, there's actually two of them. Forgive me, I've forgotten the other individual's name. Uh, those were covered by my colleague, Kian Bexty, who's actually uh, also with Rebel News, and he's based in Calgary. And it was th- these gentlemen were feeding the homeless. Now, you know, Richard, I think food is a basic human right. And, I, you know, I asked, so basically if, you're, if your audience wants to go and uh, check out these cases, if they go to fightthefines.com or, or the regular Rebel News website, you'll see what happens. But it was a complete unnecessary show of force. Um, and it was all based on social distancing. Well, what are we supposed to do? social distance ourselves away from starving people so that they (laughs) die of starvation as opposed to potentially getting the coronavirus. And you also mentioned off the top uh, the the woman in North Bay, handcuffed, put in a police cruiser, frisked, all in front of um, her five-year-old daughter um, for bringing her kid to a playground uh, that was deserted. And I've got a few myself, um, a fellow in Toronto, Richard, uh, another Richard, Richard Paradiso. He went to Trinity Bellwoods Park, and this is truly an astonishing case because he got fined for complying. (laughs) He went to the north end of Trinity Bellwoods Park, sat on a bench, two bylaw officers came over to him. And by the way, as is often the case with law enforcement and bylaw when they're handing out these tickets, Richard, if there's more than one, 
they aren't practicing social distancing. So, hey, go figure. Right. But right. In fact, just just to go back to the Pavlovsky case, he was surrounded by six police officers. Six of them came in, none of them wearing masks. Yep. Yeah. So back to the uh, uh, back to the uh, uh, Trinity uh, Bell Park. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So at Trinity Bellwoods, um, so Richard Paradiso, he had his motorcycle parked in the laneway, and he basically the bio officer said, "You you cannot uh, sit on this bench." So he immediately got off the bench and he said, "Am I allowed to stand on the park?" And he, and he said, "No, you can only pass through it." He said, "Okay." So he walked about. 30 meters back to the laneway where his motorcycle was, the bylaw followed him and slapped him with an $880 ticket. Now, Richard. Oh, my. Exactly. What? Yeah. And and so, I mean, I don't think you have to be the caliber of lawyer of Sam Goldstein to win this case. And I have to say, I wanted to say a positive shout out. The last I checked, the city of Winnipeg uh, had not issued a single bylaw infraction, one of these $880 Emergency Act tickets, Richard, their philosophy, and it's the correct one, is you educate, you warn, you disperse. Now, after those three things don't work, and, you know, and you're going to be a jerk about things, well, then, they, you know, you back them into a corner. But right, right. that is their approach. I mean, I had a young skateboarder out in Pickering, 18 years old, he only works 20 hours a day at a supermarket in Angus. Um, he's out of, you know, so he's out of school, and um, he went to an abandoned. He went to a, an empty skateboard park. There was no police caution tape. There were no COVID-19 signs, and he got onto a skateboard. And out of nowhere, it was like it was a set ambush. Three bile officers for uh, the town of Pickering appeared. You know, um, like I said, like out of nowhere. 880 for him. Well, we're David, I've got to jump in here. Uh, you're going to take up that one as well. We'll, uh, we'll come back and we'll remind people uh, how they can uh, get on board with this crowdfunding campaign to raise uh, money for legal fees. We're talking with David Menzies from Rebel News, back with more on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Welcome back. David Menzies from Rebel News is with us, Rebel News mission specialist. Just before the break, uh, David, you were talking about this uh, skateboarder in uh, Pickering. And uh, Rebel News is taking up his uh, cause. He was fined $800 uh, for skating in an abandoned skate park. $880. So yes, how do people, uh, if they want to, if they want to donate to this crowdfunding uh, thing, how do they do that? Oh, thanks for that, Richard. It, it, it simply go to uh, fightthefines.com. Um, and if you want to, um, you know, help us pay these legal fees, you know, under, unlike the mainstream media, uh, Richard, unlike the CBC, which gets, what, $1.5 billion a year, the newspapers, they're, um, I think they're up to the trough for $595 million. Uh, per year. Then we have the magazine fund. We have the McLean's um, donations. We don't receive a single penny of government funding, nor would we take it if offered. Uh, I think if you're going to uh, tell, you know, practice journalism, you can't be in the financial 
uh, pockets of your political masters. Uh, but that seems to have gone out uh, the window even before the pandemic kicked in. So I can only imagine mm-hmm. how bad it is now. So, <clears throat> yes, you can, you, you know, if, if you're in a position, because I know this is a horrible time to ask anyone of money uh, when they are presumably laid off or their their income has taken a severe dip. But, you know, if you're financially stable to help us report the other side of the story, as our slogan goes, I'd be most appreciative. And conversely, um, if you, uh, and I mean that the collective you, your audience, uh, Richard, if you have one of these $880 pandemic police tickets, please tell us your story. And like I said, if we think it has merit, we will go to bat for you. You are going to get the best legal representation uh, via Sam Goldstein, I can guarantee you that. And um, the cases, you know, they just keep um, pouring in, and it's um, some of them are just egregious. One, one in particular, Richard, if I can say, is the case of Pat McHenry. Uh, he's a retired carpenter up in Sarnia, and he, you know, went out of the country, and he had to come back to practice the um, the, the 14 day or the 15 day self quarantine. He lives in an apartment in Sarnia, and he has a little dog, Molly. And what he did is, and this is allowed under the rules, I understand. Um, you, If you're under quarantine, you can go into your backyard, or if you're in a high-rise, you can go outside where the parking lot is, which is where Pat McHenry brought Molly to relieve herself. So it's an empty parking lot. And he used the stairwell going up and down to avoid any contact with people in the elevator. So that's how far out of his way, uh, you know, he, he conducted his affairs. And when he got back to his apartment, two police officers were there. They already had the ticket written out. So obviously somebody in the apartment building ratted him out. And this is the other unfortunate you know, thing about this pandemic, Richard, where we have snitch you know, culture. Yeah. Yeah. The snitch culture. Exactly. And, but the, the significant thing about the Pat McHenry case is that I went up to Sarnia, I, I, sh- I shot the video, and the next day he phoned me and he said that, uh, oh, and by the way, I did reach out to Sarnia police. They're terrible. They're, even their communications people don't communicate. It's just, um, no access whatsoever, and I'm just trying to get them to say their side of the story. But evidently, Pat McHenry made a big mistake by talking to the media because he phoned me the next day, and he said there was a hard knock at the door early in the morning. I go to it. It's the police. And according to Pat McHenry, the officer said, "Uh, Mr. McHenry, I have some great news for you. And he said, oh, what's that? He says, we are canceling that $880 ticket. And Pat McHenry said, well, that is great news. And then the officer said, and what we're doing now is we're giving a ticket for $1,425. They bumped it up by another 50%. Richard, based on what? I don't know. And it was just in the way they delivered it, right? This, like, smirky, um, you know, we're doing you a favor. Oh, but on the other hand, look at this. And it seems that they bumped it up because... Pat McHenry had the temerity, the absolute utter goal, to go public with his case and embarrass the Sarnia Police Service. So it sounds, it sounds like Sarnia is being run uh, by one of those uh, state troopers from a cannonball run. <laughs> like Boss Hog, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I listen. By and large, I mean, I I love the police. 
uh, and yeah, I don't want people to think that this is you know we're 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 slamming all all police. Uh, but there are some. This is these are examples of overreach, which is why I had you come on the program. Where is the Canadian Civil Liberties Association or the provincial counterpart in all of this? This oh, is what they're supposed to be all about. What a great question! Before I answer that, Richard, I want to say that on behalf of myself, Ezra Levant, who is the owner of Rebel News, uh, my colleagues uh, Sheila Gunn Reed and Kian Bexty, we echo what you just said. We support the police. Um, we're not anti-cop, far from it, quite the opposite as a matter of fact. But we all know there are bad apples. We all know there are bad actors. And we you can't be so pro-cop that everything the police do gets your uh, approval. You have to call it like the umpire behind home plate. And thankfully, most of the police, I think, you know, do a terrific job. And I'm not anti-cop at all. I, c- I can only imagine what society would be like, you know, without... Uh, the guys in blue uh, enforcing the law against those who do not respect it. Now, um, the Canadian Civil Liberties um, Organization, yeah, that's the one, that's the one, oh, yeah, it's operated by that guy, Michael, um, he had an involvement with a cyclist in his sub a while back. Uh, oh, I won't go there. That's a little cruel. Michael Bryant. <laughs> um, they issued a press release, release, I believe, where they said, you know what? We're going to be taking notes. We're taking notes about any infringement on civil liberties and constitutional rights. And after we take those notes, we're going to release another press release saying, don't do this again. Basically, that's what it boiled down to. And I, I think their most active thing was in trying to get prisoners released from prison so that there wouldn't be uh, a Wuhan virus uh, problem in our Canadian jails. So what we right. are doing, and I have to say, uh, this was Ezra Levant's idea, the Fight the Fines campaign. We are doing, Richard, the work of the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. This is what they should be doing. Instead, they're taking exactly. yeah. and sending press releases and going to bat for prisoners. So, some, uh, some civil liberties outfit, eh? Well, yeah, there's further proof. You mentioned the, the cure being worse than the disease. When we are releasing prisoners and arresting priests, I think we can <laughs> confidently say, yes, the cure is now officially worse than the disease. Um, now, I, I do want to, if we have time and, and we're able, uh, because you have a, a little uh, thing going on with the York Regional Police, um, are, we able, are we able, are you allowed to talk about that or oh, is that before am. the courts or yeah, okay. I mean, it hasn't gone into court yet, but um, it, it, it's funny, and this is an example of policing gone uh, absolutely haywire. Um, we have indeed got a $50,000 lawsuit that we have filed against the York Regional Police Service, and this goes back to January, Richard. Um, I was doing an assignment where um, I was trying to scrum Ron McLean. He is the, you know, co-host, the sidekick of Coach's Corner, who essentially uh, backstabbed Don Cherry when Don Cherry was released for going to bat for the poppy and for veterans. And so, of course, Ron got to keep his job. So they had this, until the virus kicked in, they had this traveling road show called Rogers Hometown Hockey. And in early January, it came to Vaughan, Ontario, and I went up to the Vaughan Metropolitan Complex. Public land, sidewalks, streets, but public land, not private, Richard. This is very key. 
And I waited patiently until Ron McLean came out of his broadcast booth, and I started asking him questions. And immediately, I was descended upon by several York Regional Cups. One put me in a headlock, one put me in a bear hug, one pushed me down. And it's it's all on video, Richard. And yes, I've seen it. I've yeah. seen it. It's it's shocking. It is shocking. And uh, uh, I mean, I couldn't believe it was happening. I, mean, I don't think it was my best moment because all I could keep saying is, "Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me?" I I, I never got into like you know what is this um, you know a scene out of Minority Report because this was their basis. They were saying we are going to detain you. Um, on the presumption you might do something nasty to Ron McLean. Basically, that's the plot line, isn't it, Richard, for Minority Report? You know, the, the, yes, the, yes, you might you yeah. might do something. What was yeah. it called? The Future Crimes Unit? Something like that, right? And, it, by the way, there is actually a ruling from the Supreme Court, I can't remember if it was 2019 or 2018, but basically the Supreme Court in Canada said, you cannot do that. You know, you cannot come up with a theory that a crime might happen and therefore you detain someone for no reason. And then again, um, you know, I was, uh, when, he came, when Ron came out of his autograph session, I, I went to scrum him again. I got an elbow in the ribs. He was surrounded by this time by about eight police officers, something like that. They, they, they had a, it was like a force field of York Regional Cops around Ron McLean. should note that not once did Ron McLean say he didn't want to speak to me. You know? And Ron McLean is a public figure, and I was just asking him what I thought were fair questions about what happened. And um, in any event, because evidently doing... Uh, you know, practicing journalism in Vaughan is against the law in the eyes of York Regional Police and that they detained me and they physically assaulted me. We did indeed launch the $50,000 lawsuit. And I can tell you, this, the statement of defense is absolutely staggering. I mean, it had me laughing out loud because... I'm going to get line, you to... I'm, David, uh, David, I'll get you to hold on to that. Sure. Uh, we'll, we'll take a time up. 50000 that seems like you're letting them off the hook easy. We'll, let, we'll, we'll discuss on the other side. David Menzies from Rebel News right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. David Menzies from Rebel News is here. And uh, David, we were talking about your court case against uh, the York Regional Police of $50,000. You were roughed up, put in a headlock, basically tackled, elbowed, uh, detained. How long were you detained, by the way? You know what? It was just for enough time for Ron McLean to go running to another trailer uh, so he could uh, have an autograph session. So it wasn't that long, but the the point was, the um, Richard, the the opportunity was lost. He was out on a sidewalk, right. and this is I know he only I know he only had a, about a minute or two to um, to ask him questions, and he disappeared. But you know, before the break, I was saying it was comical the statement of defense um, because there was one line and I'm paraphrasing, of course, where it said that at one point Menzies, this is coming from a, a police officer. Um, shone a bright flashlight in my eyes, right? And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. I had my 
<laughs> one hand was holding the camera on a selfie stick. The other hand had a microphone. Where did this third hand come from? I think there was a, wasn't there an alien species in a Twilight Zone episode that had three arms, right? So, and then That's I realized, right. Richard, right. <laughs> I realized what he was talking about. If you have an iPhone or, or I guess any cell phone these days, there's a little light that in night videoing uh, comes on. And that's what he was referring to. This blinding right, right. light in his eyes was that tiny little iPhone um, <laughs> uh, circular light that, that is smaller than, uh, well, than a button. And if you were with CBC, you would have had uh, a, a lighting crew. So there would have been <laughs> a Klieg light shining in his eyes. He got off lucky. So, but 50,000, 50, that seems light. You know what? For, Richard, for such an egregious, yes. I know everybody in the history of lawsuits says the same thing, which is it's not about the money. And of course it's about the money. But in this case, it isn't about the money. This is about, you know, this isn't the first time uh, somebody at our, at our organization has been roughed up either by law enforcement or by, you know, some lunatic uh, at a protest. And there comes a time when you, you can only shrug it off so many times. And now we are not doing that. We are standing up for our rights, and it's an enshrined right. We, are, we have freedom of the press. We can practice journalism. I was in no way a threat to Ron McLean. Even Ron McLean, as you saw in the video, uh, Rich, uh, Richard, he, he doesn't say, get away from me or don't ask me questions. Um, he just doesn't say anything, so I just keep asking questions. So it, it's kind of scary that... York Regional Police, which is a public police service, is was, I guess, hooring themselves out that night as private security for Rogers. And, you know, that, that brings up, I'll give you another pop culture reference. This kind of reminds me of the movie uh, RoboCop. You remember, Richard, that the uh, oh, yes. OPC was uh, going to be in charge of the policing, right? So uh, who is the York Regional Police uh, serving, or at least that night? Who were they serving? Was it the general public or um, the poobahs at Rogers Communications that didn't want any of their precious talent uh, being asked hard questions? But um, I, I, I guess I shouldn't be too gung-ho in, in asking you to sort of up the, uh, the fine because – as a resident, I may end up paying for it if that's you win. true, and that's unfortunate because it's not going to come out of the individual cop's salaries. You're 100% right. It'll come out of the taxpayer trough. So, you know what? You just gave me another thought as to, you know, to, uh, you know, taper down, you know, what we'd ask for. But it is just to prove a point. We, we want uh, more than anything an apology. And, uh, well, when things get back to normal, whenever that'll be, uh, we'll see what a judge says. And by the way, Richard, like, what do you say, my friend? When is the old normal going to come back? And I've often thought, what is the what is the new new normal going to look like? I mean, like once this Wuhan virus has been defeated, do, do we have like a a ticker tape parade down Young Street or Bay Street, like you know, if the Leafs winning the Stanley Cup or or a country winning a war, or and 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 do some of the old things that maybe you know, that should stay away, you know, will they stay away? And by that, Richard, um, handshaking. I've never been a great fan of the handshake. You know, I, I bet anyone of our age 
has probably shaken tens of thousands of hands. And sometimes yeah. you, you know what? run into a hand that's clammy and sweaty, and you, you just wonder, yikes, have I got something now? <laughs> so yeah, I I'm going to double down. Once this is over, I'm doubling down on the handshake. I might even go in for the low hug on occasion. Oh. Just just because I'm, I've you know, I'm... I don't know. I, I'm the kind of guy that at Ikea, I walk against the, the arrows. I just don't be, I don't like being told what to do. But uh, a couple of artifacts I want to see go. One is the Zoom birthday party uh, and the Zoom funeral. I I, um, I don't even know how to say this. I, I, I attended a Zoom funeral. No, it wasn't a virtual funeral. There was, you know, the deceased was there, but I was observing it was a, a combination funeral and Zoom meeting, and, and that's something I definitely want to see go by the boards once mm. uh, this is all over. Um, but I, my great concern is that we are now entering the age of the pandemic, and uh, we're going to see, you know, what Milton Friedman said, the only way you bring about real change is with a, with a crisis, either real or imagined. And so there's going to be another wave, we'll be ordered back into our homes, we'll come out. Then uh, things will seem to normalize and then there'll be another wave and we'll be ordered. Finally, what will happen is I think many of us will just throw up our hands and say, you know, I give up whatever you want. Uh, yeah. We've got to take another quick time out, David. Okay. We'll uh, come back and finish up the other side. David Menzies from Rebel News right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Final segment with David Menzies, the mission specialist from Rebel News. And uh, again, the uh, the website for people who want to contribute to the crowdfund uh, project for to fight some of these uh, legal cases for overreach uh, is, is it fightthefines.com, David? That is correct. And conversely, if you have a story, if you've been victimized by one of these $880 pandemic police tickets uh, and we think your story has merit, we will go to bat for you. We will pay all your legal fees through crowdfunding to fight this when things get back to normal. I wanted to ask you about, uh, well, I guess they would be their competitors, but uh, you're, they're really the only two news outlets that are sort of you know, right of center, maybe the National Post on a good day, but, and that's uh, True North. Yeah. Uh, do you see them as competitors or do you see them more as allies now because you're sort of both, you know, simpatico and fighting against a lot of the censorship and so forth? Yeah, no, I, I think we, well, in a sense, we are competitors and we are also ally, allies. So what's that term, frenemies, I think it's called, Richard, friendly right. enemies or something like that. But, you know, certainly we um, we teamed up with True North when it came to going to court. It was one of our best days ever at Rebel when we fought successfully um, with our two young lawyers to get admitted to the federal debates during the election, which we were shut out of. And um, our two young lawyers, they, they worked, um, they, they, they burned the midnight oil working the entire weekend, um, and they went up against, um, you know, basically the government's team of five, five or six lawyers, and we won, and we got to into we got admittance into the uh, the debates. Now I can tell you, we have another lawsuit going because we have been excluded, and the same would be true uh, for um, uh, for you know some of the other True North. Uh, oh, True North. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Um, in terms of asking the prime minister questions when he you know comes out of his um, 
so-called cottage for an hour in a somewhat disheveled state and um you know takes on such heavy-hitting questions from the media like um what brand of shampoo are you using Mr. Prime Minister and um Mr. Prime Minister are you worried about burnout <laughs> that was from a Reuters uh, reporter I'm not making any of this up Richard and see allegedly um when you phone in for your questions there's a there's a roster of journalists there and there's a roster on the phone we have been told it is completely random chance now for weeks and weeks now Kim Bexty Sheila Gunreed my two colleagues in Alberta and myself from time to time we have gotten on that phone we have sat through the entire hour long press conference and lo and behold Richard we never get selected same with, same with the true north reporter I, i don't know if they're still doing it maybe they've given up but you know again it defies all odds and not only that it seems to be um on many occasions the very same reporters almost in the same order getting chosen so we don't believe this random chance uh thing so we are uh right now um going to pursue legal action to be allowed to to ask questions and i can tell you what one of the questions I'm champing at the bit to ask Richard that you'll never see asked by the you know the media party. It's simply this, as you know, about 6 years ago in Toronto at a um, women-only meeting, uh Justin Trudeau who was a year away from being prime minister, he stated that he has an admiration for the kind of basic dictatorship of China in terms yes. of getting things done. And my question to the prime minister would be this. Given what's happened to the world, given the thousands of deaths, given the trillions and trillions of dollars of economic hardship, given that China hid the um uh, you know the what really happened and its puppet, the World Health Organization, uh was in complicity of that. Mr. Prime Minister, do you still have that admiration for that basic dictatorship? Gee, Richard, I I wonder what his answer would be. Well, and here we are over it's now 540 days I think uh, they still have uh the two Michaels, Spaver and Coverig in in uh detention, uh basically political prisoners. Uh and they are now going into clinical trials for this vaccine that was developed by a chinese manufacturer they're working with some halifax researchers so now canadians are going to be the the guinea pigs for this this uh vaccine manufactured in china two excellent points um when it comes to the two michaels uh, corvig and spavor right now um I think it's over 550 days as a matter of fact Richard and they are being held in brutal conditions i.e. in their cell the light bulb never goes off. Um I don't know about you Richard but if I had to put up with maybe 3 days of that I don't think I'd be the same kind of person. They've been there for 550 days plus. It is despicable. And yet what's happening here? China has demanded the return of its two panda bears from the Calgary Zoo. And what do we do? Yes, uh, yes boss, we'll send them right over to you. Is the Concorde still in service? Um we have two bargaining chips in those bloody bears because obviously the people in Beijing care more about pandas than they do about people. And instead of saying, "Yeah, you know what? We'll talk about you getting those bears back uh when we get our two Michaels back." And by the way, um the Calgary Zoo 
um, that contract is, I understand, was to run for another two or three years. So it's not as though the deadline has come. It's that Calgary, the Calgary Zoo, is still entitled to, to keep those bears, but they're they're bending over backwards. It's a disgrace. And the other thing, my, um, Richard, is is that I am hopeful that when things do get back to normal, we will have a so-called fortress North America. I think. President Donald Trump was so ahead of the curve in bringing back manufacturing and taking a tough stance against China um, before even this pandemic became a thing. I think, Richard, that let's say you were in the market for a $1,000 mountain bike, but to have that mountain bike made in Hamilton, for example, it's going to be an extra 150 bucks. Would you pay it? And the answer for me is yes, I'm not rich. I look at prices. I, I, I price shop 100%. But if it was put to me thusly, do you want to buy something domestically or do you want to depend on China for everything, including the bulk of your pharmaceuticals? Because, Davy Boyd, do you remember what happened to the planet in 2020 with that Wuhan virus? I think if you framed it that way, Richard, most people would say, yeah, even though I'm in hawk because of that damn Wuhan virus. Make it domestic. And I'll I'll tell you, uh, I was already going out of my way to do this. It's very hard not to buy made-in-China products. You know, I mean, I don't think you can go into a Dollarama and find like 1% of their stock that's maybe not made in China. But, Richard, there are ways. My New Balance shoes are made in the U.S., and it actually says, you know, on the uh, the back of the shoe, outside, not inside the shoe, made in USA. So I think it's it was a marketing tool then, and it's more of a marketing tool now. I bought a radio. Right. And we should be talking. clear. Our, our The grievance here is not with the people of China. It is with the Communist Party. A hundred percent. The Chinese no, Communist Party regime. Nobody and, and, suffers and more we, than the people of China. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And why we, even before... Uh, the uh, the pandemic, uh, it always confounded me. You know why we continue to deal with China, the, the Communist Party in China, uh, the way we do, as if is everything is just you know normal and and so forth. They have concentration camps. They they have forced. Uh, they take uh, they retrieve organs from political prisoners. Yeah. Uh, you know they uh, they are one of the most odious regimes since Nazi Germany. Yes, and that's not an exaggeration. Why do we? Why did we continue to to do normal business with them then? And and certainly now, uh, you know th- that has to be um, that has to be off the books going forward. hundred uh, percent. But like I said earlier, our prime minister has a basic admiration for that dictatorship. I think. Um, Justin Trudeau, his um, long goal is to get a, uh, a seat or a, you know, for Canada on the UN Security Council, or even for him to have a prominent job at the United Nations. And yet, does that represent the will of the people? I can tell you this much, Richard. No, it doesn't. There was a recent poll that came out. In 2015, 40% of Canadians um, had a favorable opinion of Canada having a trading relationship with China, 40%. Five years later, right now, it is down to 11%. 11% of Canadians think it is a good idea 
to have a trading relationship with, with with China, and I think that speaks volumes. And like I said, when we go forward, um, I hope there is more of a push to yes, it's going to cost us 100 percent. You know, you you know you you can't beat slave labor, right, Richard? But if it means avoiding another pandemic, and I say another pandemic because the last three bloody pandemics have come out of China, right? Um, yeah. Uh, I'll go into hawk a little more to avoid a repeat of 2020 any day. David, uh, thank you so much for your time tonight. It, again, it's rebelnews.com and fightthefines.com. Again, if you, you need legal assistance or uh, you want to contribute, fightthefines.com. David, great having you on. We should have done this a long time ago. It was a pleasure. I'm happy to come on your show anytime. And listen, you you stay safe, even though the dangers of this is totally exaggerated if you're young and healthy. And I know you're young and healthy. And uh, so it was wonderful spending the hour with you. I can't believe how fast it went. But um, thank you so much, my friend. All right. Talk again soon, I hope. David Menzies, Rebel News. All right. When we come back, open lines. Open lines for the hour. This is The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. 